Billion Dollar Moves, hosted by Sarah Chen Spellings, is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. Join venture capitalist Sarah Chen Spellings as she asks the hard questions and learns through the triumphs, failures, and hard lessons of the creme de la creme so you too can make billion dollar moves in venture, in business, and in life. She's interviewing the real heavy hitters, like the CEO of Lego, like the former MD of Unilever. And Sarah does it all with her real unique interview style. Think Oprah meets Guy Raz of How I Built This. Listen to Billion Dollar Moves on the HubSpot Podcast Network. Link in the show notes. Yo, everyone. Welcome back to Brand New Tech. It's just me, Michael Behane, with the cold, but I'm here. And I am also here with... <laughs> Abadassi of Hustle Crew. You're not going to explain what Hustle Crew does. Normally well, we do that. we're on a mission to make workplaces more inclusive. There you know, you careers, community, training. Check us out. Hustle Crew Live on socials. There you go. Plug your shit. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. So, prayers and thoughts. I have to go out to Jamie Foxx. I have to put that out there, man. He's in hospital. He, you oh, don't no. know this. You've not been following this. I'm only not, techish news yeah, and okay, pocket that's, news. That's good. <laughs> that's what I like to hear. And weekly. News. Subscribe to the Pocket Weekly and to the Hustle Crew News now. Exactly. Yeah, so, so Jamie, man, he's a 55-year-old man and apparently he's had some sort of stroke. His family have kept his medical condition like pretty okay. well under wraps, basically. Mm. But we don't really know. It's a private matter, obviously. But, mm. you know, it's touch and go. Like I see tweets where like some hip-hop blog called like Jasmine Brand or The Shade Room, they're saying how like his family are expecting the worst now. Okay. So two things. One... I'm grateful, actually, and I'll give shout out to Elon for this. There's a feature called Twitter Notes, or I think it's called Community Notes. Okay, Essentially, if up. a tweet goes viral enough, yeah, yeah. there'll be something underneath it saying this is not true, basically. Have you seen that no, feature? I haven't seen that yet. So basically, there was a tweet saying how Jamie Foxx's family are now expecting the worst. And there was a community notes that said that actually there's been no report from his family about Jamie Foxx's condition. So that's good. So shout out to Elon nice. for that. I'll give credit for that feature. The thing is that it's interesting, though, is that like... As a society, we are now defying age for longer and longer. Mm. And when the pandemic happened, I saw guys like Diddy and Kevin Hart with the greys. I had never seen that before. I didn't mm. realise well, that they, they dye their hair. They dye their hair, exactly. <laughs> so someone like Jamie Foxx and P. Diddy, these are middle-aged men. Yeah. So when I'm sitting there seeing Jamie Foxx having a stroke, I'm like, actually, mm. he's almost 60. But like as a society now, the exterior now, he's looking like a young man, 20, 30, 30 years younger. Yeah. You know, I'm still in the club. Ageless. Yeah, ageless. And but black don't crack. And so. black don't crack as well. So then you've got to be like, yo, but on the interior, you've got to look after yourself, man. And it's just interesting how there's now that kind of, we're just, we're afraid of aging externally, but may- maybe not necessarily looking after ourselves the most internally. I don't know. Can I also just make a comment on black masculinity and like seeking like health care support right, and like that yeah, as a yeah. sign of weakness because you know you and i were at the theater a few weeks ago and i just gotta give a shout out to that production for black boys who considered suicide when the hue got too dark yeah now that production was like incredible Amazing. if you haven't seen it please check it out and it out now, you know though. based in the uk they go through the black male experience and one of the scenes that really touched me was where one of the characters was reflecting on his dad's battle with prostate cancer yes you're right right and he didn't tell his family until so the, right end. the end and And he says, I had to choose between being a black man and my health. Right. Because for him, that that condition was weakness. And for him, black man has to be strong because he's fighting against so much in society. And I've seen this like, you know, with members of my own family. And, you know, I lost my dad a couple of years ago. And I just think that we still have and it's maybe not just like black male community. Maybe it's the whole male community. Maybe it's toxic masculinity within patriarchy. But there are men who are not getting professional help because it feels at odds with their sense of self. Yeah. It's also a thing where some people just don't want to, if they don't face it, then it's not real. So Mm. if you're feeling like, well, as soon as you go to the doctor, all of a sudden now it becomes real. You know what I mean? I've had people that have had a cough for a very long time. I'm like, have you got that checked out? Mm. Nah, 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 I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Interesting. You know what I'm saying? So like then when denial? You, yeah, denial. So when you sit in front of a doctor and he's like, actually, you've got stage mm. whatever, you know, God forbid. 
it then becomes real and you've got to face the reality of your mortality. But if you can just deny it for a very long time and just think that, because we're not, people in general, like we don't face death that often until someone we know does die when we want to believe that we're immortal. Of course. So you kind of have this correlation in your mind between the hospital is where you go to get sick and not actually the place that you go to when you're sick. So you just like, if I don't go, if I don't go to the hospital, then I'm not going to get sick and I don't have to acknowledge the fact that I'm going to die. So that's a big part of it, I think. Mm. Um, But hopefully, yeah, shout out to Jamie Foxx. Hopefully he gets better. I hope so. Um, Yeah, because we don't want to lose Jamie. He's one of the most talented people of a generation. This guy can sing, act. Everything. You know what I mean? Is he an EGOT? He should be. I think he hasn't got... What's the one to do with stage show? Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, Tony. He hasn't got a Tony. Okay, give this man a Tony. <laughs> Honorary Tony. On his deathbed. Tony, there we like, go. Come on. Yeah, yeah, Let's yeah. Let's go. Definitely, definitely one of the most talented people of a generation, so hopefully we don't lose him. You know what the thing about AI, actually? I was mm. listening to Sondar, the CEO of Google, do like his fake version of the Apple thing. That, that's funny, actually, isn't it? Because <laughs> no, no companies used to do that until Steve Jobs kind of came in there yeah. and revolutionized. So now every company's got to do a presentation. It's I like, know. I don't need to care. I don't need to know about it. Google <laughs> Sheets has changed. What is font. We need to have it. It doesn't have the same feel for a software it's company true. as well. They're like, look at Google Maps. Look what we can do now. I'm like, okay. Anyway, <laughs> it could have just been like a Notion like, page. You could send it to us. But he used the word AI like an astonishing amount of times, like a million amount it's of times. Of the day, bro. They got caught slipping Hustle though. Crew AI. They got caught slipping Apple, Google, really? I think. Yeah, I think they did in the sense that like, I think people compared the previous events they had done two years ago mm. and there was hardly any mention of the word AI. Yeah. And now they realise they're essentially in a kind of arms race with Microsoft and OpenAI. And how is it that a company of that scale, of that success, with that many so-called smart people were just blindsided where they just, they, just, they were just rich off the hog and they just thought, you know what, we just, we got an unassailable position, search mm. is where it's at. Because I use search a lot less. I'll be honest with you. Mm. Like I use ChatGPT a lot more. And I think a UK fund manager came out and said that Google is no longer an automatic buy just because mm. it's an uncertain future with things like oh, ChatGPT. Yeah. What's your thoughts on Google making this pivot now, going all in on generative AI? So just to actually clarify, they're now rolling it out on Google Docs. They're now rolling it out on mm. Gmail. So what, you- like two months after Notion? I know, right? No, but, this, but, more, but much more people use Google Docs and okay, much more fair. people use Gmail. So now well, you can, you within your Gmail... You get on Notion. No, you can, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but within your Gmail, though, now you can be like, yo, like, just write me this email, reply back to this email. Right, yeah. And there was a whole bunch of AI startups fair. that were Chrome plugins that were doing that. They've all been wiped off the map, basically, yeah, right yeah. now. So two-part question. Do you think this will work? Mm. B, and a three-part. Do you think this will work? Too little, too late. And why did it take them so long? Can Google now dominate the AI market, especially as far as generative AI, consumer use case, as well as business use case? I mean, first mover advantage is an advantage for a reason, right? Right. And I think ChatGPT, I mean, there's a South Park episode about ChatGPT, like it's the coinage of the word. And I just don't really see that product name going away. And also it's been integrated into so many things already. Look, at the end of the day, people are also lazy. They're Mm. gonna go for the most frictionless thing. We're probably early adopters on generative AI because we're entrepreneurs and we see the applications, the ways to like- Too much time on Twitter as well. A hundred percent too much time on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) And we have no lives. So- I think as a play, it's too soon to tell. Let's just wait and see. Let's just wait and, and see on how it is adopted through the Google suite and businesses that use the Google suite. Can they win this game? It's hard to say. I don't know. I do think Sam Altman is a very impressive person. Like, yeah, he's smart. I remember when Sam Altman came to London in 2018 an email just went out from Y Combinator or something like, oh, Sam Altman's going to be speaking at like the Royal Institute. Did you go? I went, yeah, because... Oh, that's your boy, yeah? yeah that's, 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 that's Sam Altman. Because, you, got a picture. you know, 
for people like us, how to start a startup is iconic, right? Yes, like that yeah. YouTube series. If, yeah, a, a lot like of there's great a free education on generation that, yeah. of founders that came up, especially in the 2010s. Yes. That that was our MBA. That was our school, right? Yeah. So when I got this email, like Sam Altman's going to be in London, I was like, of course I'm going to go. Yeah, bring on. There was I, I went super early because I thought there was going to be like, it was first come serve, first serve. I thought there was going to be a long line out of the building. In fact, the theater wasn't even full. So you had some, an intimate We had this intimate conversation with Sam, with Sam Altman. He talked about the ecosystem. He talked about the future. But he also talked about the role that technology had in genuinely improving the lives of people all across right. the world. And at that time, I think he was more focused on like health and like YC and general stuff like that. But I think there's a certain romance to a startup coming up, dominating AI, taking on big tech. Mm -hmm. And they might be able to use a bit of that like underdog to win this race against Google. Final point. Why did it take Google so long to get into the generative AI game when in theory with their office tools, yeah. it would have made so much sense for them to do it? I feel like this brings us back to the meta conversation where Zuck's like, yo, we need to be nimble. Uh, we need mean. to think like a startup. I think it's very difficult for companies at Google scale to like think quickly, act quickly, respond quickly, iterate. And maybe also Google got complacent. A hundred percent. You know what? I think I saw so many day in the life, like TikTok type videos. And I was like, there's a problem here. I'll be <laughs> honest with you. Speaking of that, actually. So now they're calling it a perk session. So Google has scaled back a lot of the kind perk of perks. Session. Yeah. Not just perks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They've scaled back a lot of the perks. now. like, I think in terms of like, they've limited how much food you can get. There's wow. not going to be that kind of, you're waiting on hand and foot type stuff with the launch. I don't know what specific ones, but mm. a lot of companies are following suit. Is that indicative of we're just in a different era now where they're like, you know what? Yeah. We can't afford to do this number one i mean they can afford to do it let's keep it real so i was gonna say they, I, can. they, they absolutely can afford to do people it. people are greedy but what they're doing now is they're signaling to the market mm. that we are going to be much more of a lean operation yeah and their stock prices have gone up basically yeah. facebook only meta and google basically and this is part of that trend really isn't it like we're no longer in that we're no longer startups yeah you love listening to podcasts but have you ever thought about starting your own podcast Maybe you want to build a brand, grow your business, or are looking for an excuse to talk about your favorite hobby. Whatever your reason for making a podcast, Buzzsprout is the place to start. Since 2009, Buzzsprout has helped over 300,000 people launch their own podcasts. Buzzsprout walks you step-by-step -step through the whole process and will give you powerful tools to start, grow, and monetize your podcast. Ready to get started? Click the link in the show notes to get our free step-by-step -step guide to starting your podcast today. As crazy as it sounds, like mm. Google and Facebook were still seen as kind of like startups and growth was where they were going to get all of their value. It's not about growth no more. It's about eking out profit yeah. as much as humanly possible, similar yeah. to Apple. So what's your views on the perk session? Is it like, <laughs> obviously we can't feel sorry for these, these employees. I think these it's are the more stock price signaling. I don't, think it's, I don't think it's legit. I don't think it's real. Because let's go back to the origins, okay? So for people who haven't actually worked in these tech companies, yeah. in these startups, you're thinking like, wow, you get free breakfast, you get free lunch, you get right. free dinner. I used to go to the AngelList offices in San Francisco all the time and right. laugh at the fact that I could order like a $35 breakfast, like $16 be pollen smoothie. Hell yeah, companies paying Damn, for it. And Naval, yeah. All that, boy, Naval. $16 bee pollen smoothie, egg white omelette with spinach on the side, you name it. But here's the thing, you got to be at work for breakfast, right? Be there, so yeah. you're, you're showing up to work at 8 a.m. Then suddenly everyone starts to go, hey, should we just order dinner? And suddenly you're like, yeah, well, what are we going to get? Oh, we can get anything. We can get sushi, we can get Mexican. You're like, yeah, do you know what? Yeah, get me a sushi platter. But you're still at work yeah. at 8 p.m. Yeah, yeah. And suddenly you're like, wait, I've been in the office for like, 12 hours. Mm. So what we forget is that these weren't 
perks. These were a way to get you to stay in the office longer and work more than your contracted 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 hour week or whatever it is. So I think that when companies say we're going to pull back the perks, it's a signal to the stock market and to analysts to go, oh, okay, they're doing things to be more lean. But what it might actually look like on the ground maybe isn't so different. I think Mm. they still want people there working overtime, but not calling it overtime. Mm. What do you think? No, I agree. One interesting thing, and this is my personal theory, do you think the day in the life trend kind of ruined it for everyone? (laughs) Now you see me, if I've got a good thing going on, I'm not exposing it to the whole world. If I've got a glitch in the matrix, where I've got, got (laughs) I have a sort of, you got the cheat code. If I've got a cheat code, (laughs) If I have A, infinite money or B, infinite comfort and basically not having to do much, why am I going to tell everyone? Clout is killing my people. Just do your thing. Keep it quiet. I understand why. Because obviously, listen, were there people that were inspired to get into tech based off that? Probably. So that is a good thing. And is it their fault? It's not no one's fault. Obviously, it's probably more frothy times led to that. That didn't lead to frothy times. So I understand why, obviously, in all seriousness. But I just did find it funny as a kind of content trend that it just wasn't presenting the total picture. Mm. Number I, one, two, and it gave yeah. an inaccurate reflection an inaccurate of what, picture. yeah, yeah. And the thing is, like, so many of these tech companies have kept their behind the scenes quite guarded. Right. And I think there's many, many reasons for that. Like, obviously, as someone that works in culture, there's some shady shit happening in the culture yeah, that they didn't want exposed. But then there's also, like, research and development related stuff. You know, one screenshot goes wrong and your competitors have lines of code yeah, or whatever. Only, yeah. We have talked about that. But I think also it's that air of mystery right? Let's think about it. It's software. It's not gold. It's not like arms. It's like tools, digital tools that help you be more efficient, priced at a crazy, crazy price tag. Mm -hmm. The margins in tech are ridiculous. Yeah, the margins are fat. And you know, there's a reason why they have these big market caps. Software is eating the world, right? Like Mm -hmm. Mark Andreessen famously said. And I think for them to protect that price tag, they need that mystique. And then social media came in. Every employee wants to be the main character in their own little reality show of their TikTok channel. Right. And I think they chipped away at that mystique. So you you think the real question is, did the day in the life trend hurt the stock price? Yes. You think so? Definitely. You think there were some analysts watching those videos and was like, you know what? These people ain't even working out hard. Why am I going to invest in this company? Because Google's out there saying, don't worry, we're like developing this new thing. We're developing that. We're developing this. And then analysts (laughs) are just like, you're stopping developing shit. They're They're in a pool in Mexico. A hundred percent. Okay. It's cool. like the secret sauce recipe yeah. was revealed. We saw behind the curtain, like, you guys are not working that hard. Let's exactly. keep it real. Are you sick and tired of wasting your precious time on tedious tasks like pulling reports, rewriting blog posts, and trying to personalize countless prospecting emails? Well, say no more, because we've got some new AI tools that are going to blow your mind. Introducing HubSpot's newest AI tool, Content Assistant and ChatSpot. Content Assistant uses the power of OpenAI's ChatGPT3 model to help you create content outlines, outreach emails, and even web page copy in just seconds. And in case that wasn't enough, they created ChatSpot, a conversational growth assistant that connects you to HubSpot CRM for unbeatable support. With chat-based commands, you can manage contacts, run reports, and even ask for status updates. The easy-to-use CRM just got even easier. Head to hubspot.com slash artificial intelligence to get early access today. Link in the show notes. Techish is sponsored by Intuit, a global technology platform that serves millions of customers worldwide with TurboTax, QuickBooks, Mint, Credit Karma, and MailChimp. They are now hiring for a variety of tech and non-tech roles across all products and regions. At Intuit, you'll be part of a team that emphasizes the importance of diverse voices to drive innovation and power and prosperity for all. Check out Intuit's career opportunities waiting for you. 
visit intuit.com slash pocket. That's intuit.com slash pocket. Link in the show notes. So one interesting story that I think is telling about how pathetic our obsession with celebrity is. So Jack Dorsey, the founder of Twitter, he, I remember seeing pictures of him chilling with Jay-Z and Beyonce on, yeah. on a yacht. I think they had a house in the Hamptons together or Damn. something like that. They were chilling quite a lot. Okay. And then a few months later or sometime later, we heard that Square, now mm. known as Block, was acquiring Tidal, Jay-Z streaming service. Yeah. Now there's been a documentation that's been released that essentially mm. says that the entire Square board was against the deal. That really? Jack Dorsey was the only one that was for the deal. Wow. That Tidal was a failing business that had wow. lawsuits coming up at the wazoo. And Jay-Z had personally loaned the company $50 million just to keep it alive. Shut up. So essentially what happened is... Jack Dorsey was so enamored by basically being friends with Jay-Z and Beyonce that they managed to offload a piece of dog shit to him, basically. Wow. Because there is no correlation between what Square does and what Tidal does. If anything, it would have made more sense for Twitter while he was still CEO to buy Tidal because at least you could say it's media, it's content. Mm -hmm. But Square, payments processing, Mm -hmm. music, and it's just... The ultimate finesse. Shout out to Jay. He said he could sell water. He, he said he could sell water to a well, <laughs> and he found a sucker because ain't, listen, Tidal wow. apparently was a better product, and a lot of people did use Tidal, but it wasn't a growing product. No. It wasn't. It's a, the, the, there was no real product market fit. No, and he, I think he sold it for like five hundred million dollars and cashed out. Damn. So respect. That's how pathetic is that though Jack man how are you going to shake your own shareholders like that and buy a product just because you want to be next to a celebrity that's ridiculous that's, I he won't be the first person to do it but like credit to Jigga I guess I mean yeah I mean I'm just shocked even at the time we were just like this is a weird acquisition and what's yeah. happened since nothing yeah so what's happened to the title like it's gone yeah. it's, I think it's going to be written down to zero so yeah sh- shame on Jack Dorsey you got played bro wow yeah any thoughts on Vice and BuzzFeed basically going out of business? Yeah, the news is, landscape is changing. It's happened. These are, these are millennial media brands that we kind of grew up on. How am I going to know which Disney princess I am? I know. Oh. And how am I going to know what the warlords of Liberia are up to without Vice? TikTok's killing them. Yeah. Because you, people used to spend their lunchtime scrolling BuzzFeed. And I don't know, there's just been such a proliferation of like smaller media brands right. that, you know, it used to be like Vice as an indication of something cool, noteworthy, curating subculture. But now like, influencers do that so yes i didn't like influencers are publishers in their own right i think that's definitely one massive factor i think the other factor was it was just way too much frothiness in the market there's no way that vice was worth tens of billions i think Mm. its valuation was in the billions to me the most compelling part of their products were their documentaries they did on youtube yeah there's no way you could tell me that you can spin out a a giant billion dollar company out of youtube videos that were really don't get twisted the videos were amazing the warlords of liberia and you know i'm saying fascinating stuff but like this was complete frothiness that they managed to scale up but i think the founder cashed out shane (laughs) gillis whatever his name is he made tens of millions hundreds of millions so more for the company to be honest I'm surprised Vice even lasted so long because when all those stories came out about sexual harassment, I didn't misconduct, even know that. Wow. it was years ago. Mountains of cocaine in their staff parties, yes, that, that. all the like hushed sexual harassment allegations. They were really in trouble, but I mean, you know, they managed to like weather that storm and get through it. So I guess I could call myself a media entrepreneur. I guess we have a podcast yeah, and a pocket does media. But the reason why I don't think of myself as a media entrepreneur is because I never, very rarely do I try to sell media. What I mean by that is, I haven't made money. I mean, Advertising. We, we have ad reads here. So I guess you could say that, but obviously Techish is still kind of a side business and we have our main businesses. So in my main business, mm. we have a recruitment product. Yeah, exactly. I just don't so. believe that you can make money anymore 
just starting a pure no. media company anymore. No. I just, I'm not, and when I say make money, I'm, you can have a good living. Like yeah. This podcast would make a good living, but I don't think it's a thing where you could build a billion dollar brand anymore without basically selling something to your audience that's not just adverts. You're going to have to have a product that mm. speaks to your audience. Do you get the what I'm saying? Like, the economy's changed the game. Completely. Because it used to be that the media got you the attention, right? right. But now attention's everywhere. Yeah. It's like on Twitch, it's on Discord, it's on TikTok, and it's being filtered through individuals influencers not even that even if you manage brands were gatekeepers but even if you manage to coalesce the audience and Mm. you manage to beat the tiktok influencers and you have a media brand you've got a website that's writing articles i don't think you can make money just selling ad space i think you have to have some sort of product yeah whether that's a paid product to the audience whether that's whether you're selling them a physical product yeah the idea that you're going to start a website and sell ads it's over i think you could start a media brand purely for like customer acquisition, like almost on the B2B side. Exactly. Like I'll launch a media brand to get you your target audience. But yeah, I think it's got to be a bit more sophisticated yeah. than just ads. For and sure. I think actually, ironically, listen, we're on the Hub, HubSpot podcast network. That's what they're doing. They're getting mm. all these kind of podcasts and YouTube channels and whatever. And they're basically saying, we've got our product HubSpot and we now want the media arm of it. 100%. So I think every company is basically going to become a media company, yeah. but being a pure media company, yeah. it just doesn't work anymore. Yeah. So yeah, that's the thing. And obviously, listen, it's a scary time for a lot of journalists, like a mm. hire journalists and they have a lot of journalist friends and it's just layoffs law you think it's bad in tech it's just like wait till you get yeah. to media so a man called jeffrey hinton he's basically known as the godfather of ai basically helped to i don't know sounds like a gangster in it refuse he's the godfather of ai and basically he was really important in terms of developing neural networks which is what chat gpt and a lot of these kind of generative ai tools are kind of based on yeah he le- left google okay. amicably been there for a long time stellar performer i'm sure yeah. and has now decided to do a complete 180 after spending all that time getting cashing out at google making a whole bunch of money now he's like i'm really worried about ai oh, is he and now? he's now saying that he fears that this could run away from human beings and we're not prepared for a society where there are things that are smarter than us oh, is and it? that they could be really misused by bad actors oh. now we wrote an article on Pocket basically saying that actually this is not the first time someone said this before. No. Right. So Timothy Gebru, who was an AI ethicist at Google, black woman um, of Eritrean heritage, shout out to my sister. She basically had warned that this is getting out of control mm. and was reprimanded yeah. essentially and faced backlash and wasn't given kind of the green light to kind of go ahead and, and express her thoughts and concerns. And eventually basically was fired. Yeah. What's going on here? Yeah, yeah. Sad day in tech. What's going on here? Like, you think this guy basically probably... He himself would have got fired if he had spoke up within Google, or do you think it's a thing of it's got to come from the right kind of person, basically? What is happening right now in the industry is whitewashing of AI ethics. Yeah. And it's terrifying. I, for one, am really scared about this because the first people to speak about the dangers of tech as it was developing and Mm. the lack of ethics were underrepresented people Mm. black people like when the first apple watch launched it couldn't really work properly on dark skin Mm. there are still hand dryers in china right now that can't even recognize black hands when they go under them to dry hands so you know in the black community we have been saying like we need to have more representation in the room and we need to approach this development with caution and i think like timnit gabru was one of the first people that really brought to light some of the dangers i wasn't even aware of and then there's the amazing work of the algorithmic justice league as well with joy bolamuni and it's really frustrating and really upsetting that when thought leaders from our communities step forward with the facts, with the research and lay out the case, these companies shut them down. Right. Like they don't respect their authority and they don't respect their power. But the minute someone from the dominant group speaks up and literally delivers the same message, they're grabbing headlines in the New York, New York Times. Times front page is crazy, isn't it? Right. And I think the messed up thing about Tim Nick is 
she was fired from Google, which meant that she didn't get any compensation. She wouldn't have let her stocks materialize. Like she would have just been kicked out the door with nothing. Potentially, yeah. I mean, we don't know that, but potentially, yeah. Potentially, yeah. 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 Meanwhile, someone else, you know, leaves on their own terms, tells the world the same story and is heralded a champion, a hero. Yeah, it doesn't make no sense. And I think what you're saying about underrepresented people, we feel the brunt of these technologies more. Yes. Because primarily because obviously the lack of training data on on black people, on dark-skinned individuals, these technologies end up basically not working with us basically no. well. So even like facial recognition technology, if you're black, you're more likely basically to be misidentified. Mm-hmm. And also you're more likely to basically have facial recognition technology be used on you because you happen to live in areas that disproportionately have higher surveillance. The repercussions are, are crazy. And we had an article on Pocket actually where a dude mm. was arrested and charged with a crime. 100% wasn't him. Wow. And it was based on facial recognition technology. Yeah. So I'm not surprised that a lot of the prominent voices in this space tend to be, you know, black and black. Like women. Yeah, it's really worrying actually because AI is trained on existing data sets, right? Mm-hmm. So if we wanted to ask a computer, right, to make a parole system more efficient, yeah. hey AI, who should go up for parole? Well, the AI is going to look at who historically has been granted parole by judges. Yeah. Let's look at data in the US. Yeah, now, yeah, yeah. if you're going up for parole against a judge, you're likely going to be facing a white judge. Yeah. And research shows that because of affinity bias, white judges are more likely to grant parole to white criminals yeah. than to black criminals. So AI is going to look at the existing data and go, black criminals don't get parole, but white criminals do. So my decision is grant all the white criminals parole and don't give it to any of the black ones. It's not going to necessarily look at the facts of every case because it's also trying to act based on a trend. And then also, even if you say like, even if you say to it, like rule out race, it will still look at other characteristics. So let's say it might say, it might not realize that this is a predominantly black area. So Mm. it might say people based in this part of New York tend to not get parole. Therefore, I'm going to factor that into my, you know, decision making process. Yeah, it's messed up. Bad news, everyone. That's the end of this week's Techish, the greatest podcast in the world. We'll be back next week. Hit us up at hashtag Techish on Twitter, at TechishPod on Instagram and Twitter as well. We've got so many little visual shorts and TikTok stuff that you can check out if you want to see us visually um, and leave a review so we can read you out and you can join in on the fun. See you next week. Bye. everyone, it's Abdesi from Hustle Crew with a special message for you. So if you've ever been at work and heard phrases like, mm, they're just not the right culture fit for our team, or, ooh, she seems a bit unapproachable, scary, or, hmm, I just don't think he's ready for a promotion, then it might be that bias is at play. But how do we handle it? How do we advocate for ourselves or others in a world where a lot of people aren't aware of their own biases? Well, you can join me for a free webinar this Wednesday, where I'm going to teach you exactly how to navigate bias at work through courageous conversations. Learn how to identify common biases at work and confront them in a way that feels authentic and sustainable to you. Sign up, bring your team, link in the show notes.